There is a mystery. Elusive. Unpredictable. Violent. It terrifies most scientists. But for a new breed, the challenge is saving lives. The research is deadly. The laboratory is nature itself. And potentially uh, could be a storm that has a wind in excess of 'm they call this a movie testing the strength of friendships one terrible movie at a time subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and other podcast services by searching they call this a movie we are part of the main Amy network or to find more from us check out the website at the mainamy.com or on Twitter Facebook and Instagram at the main Amy where we are also now a proud member of geek vibes nation you can find them at gbnation.com welcome back to the they call this a movie this is Anthony Delbecki and with me as always is Dan Aquino and Mark Meyer say hello gentlemen hey everyone yeah not so much a bit but I don't know if it's just me but I kind of got slightly nostalgic for one part of this movie that we watched where they had like the old labels for the cans for Pepsi and Mountain Dew. And it was just like, oh, that's right. That's what they used to look like. I just find it interesting, which will go into something that I'll talk about shortly, of just seeing how long ago these product changes happen and like not even realizing it's been that long. That was just something I've been thinking about since watching the movie. Hopefully it's not weighing too hard on your on your head. No, no, <laughs> no. It's like COVID and then this. Yeah, that's sort of yeah. that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully that's what you think of before you go to sleep, so you actually get some sleep. You get a yeah. full eight hours. Oh, Pep- <laughs> Remember when they had the white cans of Pepsi? <laughs> Pepsi Clear. <laughs> or Pepsi what was Pepsi Free. Oh, Van Hagar. No, Pepsi Free. No, you Pepsi Clear was the was the the sprite looking one. Okay. And then Pepsi Free, I think, was just the caffeine free version of Pepsi. Yeah, but we're not talking about Pepsi here, and we're not sponsored by Pepsi yet. Yeah. Uh, but this week, as we've been doing the past few weeks, we are going to start with what we've watched. So, guys, Mark, we'll start with you because it's going to be quick, I assume. What have you watched this week? Yeah, it's actually I held one thing back that I actually watched this week. Um, I took into the phenomenon and watched Hamilton. Ooh. Um, okay. 
I watched so. 10 minutes of it, and then my wife looked at me and said, I'm not into this. And I'm like, okay. And then we turned it off and <laughs> watched something else. I really liked it. I actually watched it twice. First time I watched it through, as I do with all movies and everything we do, I watch it through with the subtitles because of the hearing disability I do have, just to make sure I was getting everything correct. And I loved it so much in terms of just seeing the production while looking up and down from the, uh, in the subtitles. So I watched it through a second time without subtitles on and was more blown away by just the the way they use the set because it's just one set there and they have like a rotating floor in there and just the way they just make it feel you don't notice that it's just one continuous set the whole time and they do some really cool things in that musical if you're not really into the music or the theme or anything like that it's in it's an easy bounce off in that first song but i i am one that enjoys american history i enjoy weird takes on music and and things like that. So I was in for the long haul also just to be able to make sure I at least gave it its fair due for the full two hours and 50 minutes or something. Damn, um, it's that long? I didn't even realize. Yeah, so it's split up into two acts, and act one is much better uh, than act two, even though act two has my favorite character in it. To be honest, I loved a lot more of the other cast members that were not Lin-Manuel Miranda. You know, he's really good but the other people just i i remembered them more and were more more excited when they came on stage but if if you like musicals which i have a a tangential sort of thing with because my uh my grandma loves them my sister loves them so turner classic is on a lot in my house and has been for years so uh, if you like that if you are a fan of of hip-hop or or rap and just want to see it used in a different way all all the criticisms about it are valid that have come out as a play that was made in 2015 completely different climate than we have now in terms of how you look at the founding fathers uh, it gets a lot of historical stuff wrong anyway but that's more so because he needed to build a story so there's a lot of ha- uh, hamilton and burr stuff it doesn't really happen but they needed to have a hero villain sort of thing because that's one of the few mm-hmm. things everybody knows about hamilton is that famous got milk commercial sure with the Aaron burr i know. believe that i believe that got milk commercial stars yeah. a person that is in this movie Oh, wow. That we watched this week, yeah. Someone very famous directed that ad. Was it Michael Bay? Yeah, uh, someone no. big directed it. We're, yeah, we'll have I have to no look idea. It just from a production standpoint, I was blown away. It's just really well done. I, I had heard that the yeah. biggest historical inaccuracies was that they didn't really dance and sing all that much back then. That's true. But that's the only thing I heard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's another cool thing about play. If, but it is like one continuous, not one continuous song. But there's no real speaking parts uh, of the play. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's like a few lines. It's worth it if you've had any interest in it. You will know immediately in the first song or two whether you're in or not. And I also watched right before we uh, jumped on this podcast is I found out Supermarket Sweep is on Netflix. I had heard it randomly like on Twitter or something. So after I watched uh, the movie we watched this week, I just searched for it on Netflix and it popped up. So I watched one episode of that and. That might be the wackiest game show that I love because it's real dumb. The entire show is dumb. and <laughs> But it's just fun to see the people, when you have one contestant, of the three, there's always one team that has no concept of how to grocery shop and know what the high items were. The teams that finished first and second at each over $1,100 in prizes and groceries in their cart. And the team that finished third had like 400 So they Those were not dumb going. bastards. Yeah, yeah, they were not going for the high-end item. But it's, it's always fun watching that. It has the most, if Alex Trebek is the best 
at doing that little awkward get to know the audience section. This is the most awkward because there's no flow to it. It's like, oh, hey, how you do? How you know them? So what do you do? And you do something else. There's it's no like, he, yeah, he's, he's really meeting them for the first time ever. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's like it's not that there's a card in front of him or anything. Who was the guy who did um, Family Feud? The very first guy. He was like super creepy. Oh, um, he's Richard in um, Dawson. Richard Dawson. Yes. Yeah, and he would always running. hit on the women. Yeah. And he always get kissed. Yeah. Yes. So we have to get an amalgamation of these three uh, hosts yeah, somehow. Yeah. It seems like he was like not wanting to ask them about their personal life. He's telling them about the, his per- you know, like, personal sort of life. like going, I heard you have a job. <laughs> you work for a living, apparently. Yeah, That's good. Uh, but it was like yeah, it was just funny. It was just made it made it more awkward because obviously those people aren't in front of a camera a lot, so mm-hmm. you know sure. they're stammering. But yeah, so Supermarket Sweep's great. Um, so th- that was my weekend in movies outside of my normal watching YouTube stuff. I was happy to report that I did actually watch something culturally relevant <laughs> this week. Look at you, you're all grown up. Uh, what yes. about you? What about you, Dan? What did you watch this week? Uh, semi-quiet week for me, movie-wise. I got in the obligatory July 4th movie, Jaws. I watched that, and that's that's always a great time. And then I watched the criminally underrated, in my opinion, Dr. Sleep from 2019. Okay, yeah, uh, I watched that too, just to oh. throw that in there. Yeah, it. I, I saw that in the theaters, and having seen The Shining, obviously, I, it definitely helps. But I think this movie kind of stood on its own from the shining as well i like i always like you mcgregor i think the the girl who played abra the the, the child mm-hmm. kaylee i can't remember her name kaylee something i think she's gonna be pretty good so i would keep an eye on her kaylee curin that's the name yeah she was uh, good yeah i i just enjoyed it it was not something i was expecting when i first saw it because i thought it was going to be more along the lines of the shining more horror based yeah and i mean so there's little, certain points action-y. Yeah, yeah, a little bit more suspenseful, but yeah, I I enjoyed the way that they really delve into how there's more than just Danny Torrance who has this capability. I mean, it, it's Stephen King's world where everybody is essentially psychic. Mm-hmm. I just like how they delve into it and how there are, it's it's almost like the X Men really, right? There are stronger telepaths yeah. than others. It's uh, it was good. Yeah. No, I, I enjoyed it. It was a little more action-y than I was expecting, but I didn't necessarily hate it. I agree with you in terms of you kind of have to have a peripheral understanding of The Shining, but you don't necessarily need to have like seen it like three or four times. Like If you have an understanding of what The Shining is about and you know those kind of key cultural moments of it, like here's Johnny and all that kind of stuff, they like mm-hmm. make allusions to, but I don't think it's super necessary. No, I liked it. It's Mike Flanagan who did the uh, Haunting of Hill House, which was great. Interesting to see Jacob Tremblay like show up for a scene and a half. <laughs> like he's the the little kid, the uh, the baseball player. Oh, that's right. From um, was was he in Bad Boys or Good Boys? He's in good. He's in Good Boys. He's in Room. A bunch of other shit. I think one of Mike Flanagan's first movies he's he was in. I think that's what that connection is. And Mike Flanagan's uh, done some really good horror movies. Yeah, so it's just like stuff. horror. His horror uh, resume is good. Have you ever seen Gerald's Game? I haven't seen Gerald's Game, but I've seen I've seen Oculus. I've seen Hush. Before I Wake was the movie that Jacob Tremblay was in, but I haven't seen that. And I saw The Haunting of Hill House. 
Yeah. I have not seen Gerald's game yet. Yeah, that I was would, good. I would recommend the other ones. Gerald's game. The first four that he's known for on IMDb are just like all bangers. Yeah. No, I like the I like the villain. I like Rebecca Ferguson in that as mm-hmm. Rose the Hat. And I like the one guy, the uh, the, the Native American actor. The dude from Fargo, the yes. TV series. Yeah, so he's great. Good. I love that guy. He plays a badass to a T. Yeah, the uh, the guy from Fargo. I think he was season two of Fargo. Uh, Zan 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 So Steve Zahn, we're gonna say. Yeah. So it's Zahn McLarnan, uh, who plays Crow Daddy in this movie. Yeah, he's great. He's so, so good. good. In, in Fargo, he's kind of like the right hand man for the family. Yeah. So he's the guy who does all the dirty work. And he kind of plays the same character in Dr. Sleep, mm-hmm. where he's the right-hand man to Rose the Hat. Yeah. And he's just, he's smart, he's intimidating, he looks cool. Like, goddamn, this guy's awesome. But I don't know if they me- meant to do, like, the whole, like, he's a tracker thing. Do you know what I mean? Did they right. want to do that stereotype? Or was it, I mean, they've been around forever. Yeah, so. I mean... Stephen King doesn't necessarily stray away from stereotypes, so you know might have kind of been like that. Don't okay. be surprised. Yeah. Because my understanding is that the whole the knot in which they're called, right? They're all they've been around for centuries. So, yeah. So maybe Crow Daddy was you know an indigenous person and just kind of went through the centuries in America. So that yeah. that would be my understanding. But yeah, he's badass. Yeah, he's good. Yeah, I watched that. Is that is that the only other thing you watched this week? Yeah, it, that took me two sittings. I started to watch it kind of late one mm-hmm. night, and I watched the director's cut. Okay. So that's about three hours. Okay. I just uh, watched the the theatrical. I I don't I didn't see a difference between the director's cut and the theatrical. Maybe and there's a half hour difference though. Yeah, that's I don't know what they <laughs> added. I'd have that's to, crazy. I'd, yeah. I'd have to I'd have to see. I'm sure you can look it up, but yeah, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, so if that's all you, I'll go into what I watched. Sure. Uh, I watched Doctor Sleep, which was actually I watched before last episode, but I forgot to mention it. I finished at least the first two seasons of Twin Peaks, as well as Firewalk with Me, which was the theatrical film that came out after. So now I'm all caught up besides the Showtime season that they did like in 2017. So there's that. And then that was good. I, I, t- I finally got into it. Like I would say by the end of my watching it, I got into it. So I'm kind of looking, I'll probably try and figure out a way to get that third season to myself somehow. After that, I it, very horror themed week besides that, which, you know, Twin Peaks could definitely be considered horror as well as I watched the Child's Play remake, which Ooh, was with Aubrey Plaza with Aubrey Plaza. who i love um but it was fine it's very forgettable Mm -hmm. it it was weird they make chucky out to be like a sympathetic villain yeah i kind of i didn't i didn't hate that i thought like i I didn't dislike the fact that they were kind of like well he's just he's learning these these kind of he he's got the best of intentions but he's he's fucking it up because he's does isn't understanding what he's doing i thought that was an interesting they yeah. make Chucky into a stage five clinger. Yeah, he's <laughs> definitely a stage five clinger. Uh, Brian Tyree Henry was good, who I like from Atlanta. He also Is he played, the, uh, the cop? Yeah. Okay, yeah, the he was good in that. Yeah. So I watched that, and then I watched Crawl, the Ooh, alligator good. movie, which was decent. Yeah, I liked it. I liked it. It was very kind of under-the-radar movie that came out last year. It's 
surprised I didn't wind up going to see that in the theaters. But uh, That's Barry Pepper, right? Barry Pepper showing up in a movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen him in forever. Yeah. It, it was a good role. It was... Uh... He, he and I don't know the daughter's name, but she plays the like college swimmer. Yeah, it, it was good. It was very it had a nice little undertone of family in there. Yeah, very simple story. Exactly. No, it, it was it was enjoyable. I liked it. And I think that is it. I feel like there's something else. But oh, just the uh, I've watched through. I think you should leave again for like the sixth time because I could watch that that series in one sitting and it just makes me laugh every time. It's so stupid, but it just it just gets me every time. That that series, I don't get it. Like, <laughs> I, I, like, re- I do get it, but I don't get it. I 100% understand if anybody watches through that series and just like, I don't understand what's so funny about the show because I can't explain it. There's... Yeah, there's just so many skits in there that just have me dying. There's like a, a commercial about laser spine specialists of like, which is supposed to be like uh, rehabilitative surgery, but then turns into this guy being scammed into by this other guy that pretending to be like this music producer, and he's terrible at it. And it goes on for like two and a half minutes, but it never drops. <laughs> the pretense that it's all a commercial for a laser spine specialist. It's, and yeah. Is, is that the, is that the meme with the two guys playing guitar that I say? No, it's oh, not. Okay. That's another one. That's, that's super weird too. Okay. Um, no, uh, but yeah. The only one that I remember is the car. Uh, <laughs> was it the, um, the, the focus group, the focus group on the car. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Oh my God. Yeah. I could talk, I could talk hours about that show. But it's such an acquired taste. I can I can imagine people just being like, all they do is shout, which is 100% accurate. <laughs> but yeah, no, if you've never seen it, if you have Netflix, give it a shot. If you like weird sketch comedy, it's pretty funny. Um, but yeah, people yell the entire, like every, every sketch has someone yelling in it. It just makes me laugh, though. But, like the full se- season is like two hours long. It's like six episodes. And you're yeah. such a strange person when it comes to pop culture and like TV, you know, because you'll love these highbrow, like wearing the white wig movies, man, where you're just you judge the shit out of people. And then you'll like something like this where it makes zero sense. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I 100 percent agree with you. Yeah, I, I can't tell you what I love about this show. It just like still there are sketches. I've Like I've said, I've seen it like six times. Still sketches just have me like in tears. <laughs> well, that's a, that's the mark of something that's really, yeah. you know, imprinted on you. Yeah. And it's like it's like one of those things that like even if I'm like putting it on, oh, I'm just going to put this on in the background. because I've seen it so many times uh, while I do stuff and I'm just like stop doing stuff and just watching it. It's like, oh, this wasn't supposed to be my upfront, like, attention getter, but it just is every time. But that's it. That's not what the, that's not what we're talking about this week. That's what I watched. Pretty sure that's all I've watched, but maybe I'll remember something. Oh, we started watching Unsolved Mysteries, the new series on Netflix, which is fine. Not quite the Robert Stack theme to it. Yeah, it's, it's definitely missing something, and that, that something is Robert Stack. That's all I've watched. But Mark's movie this week. Mark, yeah. do you want to... Do you want to introduce yeah. our movie this week? Yeah, so um, I chose a movie um, that I saw. It popped up on Netflix. It was part of the uh, VHS collection that I had when I was a uh, adolescent to preteen. 
and it is Twister from 1996, I believe. I have watched this movie way too many times, but not recently, because obviously I am not a monster that owns a VHS player. It, it was in the collection with that. I had that, Varsity Blues, and Ferris Bueller were my VHSs growing up. It's definitely one that I put in all the time to watch. I was happy to see that it is on. it was on Netflix. I didn't know if it would be good for this podcast, but I think... It'll do pretty well. Um, it's just as 90s as I remember it. It was a nice uh, throwback. Rest in peace, PSH. And pa- uh, Bill Paxton. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that wasn't Bill Pullman? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, Bill Paxton? Yeah, two people are, are deceased from this crew. I completely forgot that Jonas was played by Carrie Elwes. Did I say it? <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah, I, was tr- yeah. I was going through a mini panic attack today when I <laughs> knew I had to say his name in the... Uh, the credit yeah. roll. We're like, I don't know how to say this name. <laughs> yeah, because I've heard I, Elwes. Elwes. I had completely forgotten he was in it. I had thought Annie Potts was in this movie, but that girl just—I guess my 11-year-old brain had also watched Ghostbusters. You were um, thinking of Helen Hunt, right? That's no. Old. Oh, okay. <laughs> so close. Yeah. So that girl was just a character actor that was in that. Yeah, it's a fun movie. I think there's a lot to pick apart in it. It's not. It's not the classic I thought it was when I was 11, 12 years old. It's definitely one of those movies that if it was still on basic cable or I still watched basic cable that I would just leave on if it was on there. Okay, yeah. Twister from 96, directed by Jan de Bon as director of Speed, Speed 2, Cruise Control, The Haunting. And he made his name more as a cinematographer for movies such as Die Hard, The Hunt for Red October, Flatliners, Basic Instinct, Lethal Weapon 3, among others. It was written by Michael Crichton and his wife, Anne-Marie Martin. It was her only writing credit to date. Uh, it stars Bill Paxton, not Bill Pullman, Helen Hunt, Carrie Ewells, Jamie Gertz, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Lois Smith, Alan Ruck, Sean Whalen, who is in the aforementioned Aaron Burr Got Milk commercial, yeah. Scott Thompson, Jeremy Davies, and Joey Slotnick. IMDb score of 6.4 and a Rotten Tomatoes score of 57%. Budget of $92 million, box office $242 million, second highest grossing film in 1996, behind Independence Day. So we had Mark's take on Twister. Dan, where are you coming from with Twister? This movie still holds up, man. I love this. I've always enjoyed the the campiness and like the schlocky acting. It's, uh, it's not going to win any awards, we were saying prior to recording, but... It, it'll always have a, a place in my heart. I love Bill Paxton. God rest his soul. He was he could do a, a different range of acting, and I just loved it. One of the only two people to be killed by a Terminator, a Predator, and an alien. I don't know if you know that. Uh, do, you know who, do you know who the other person is? Danny Glover. Lance Henriksen. <laughs> Come on, guys. I mean, this is big stuff. Yeah. I got to be honest with you. Rest is, God rest his soul, but yeah, he's so stiff in this movie. Yeah, yes. Really? I, I don't I see th- it that way. I think he's so stiff. And it works for who he is at that moment in his life. But yeah. he's not the extreme. He's supposed <laughs> to just, be the extreme. I just I don't like how get, he gets dunked on by everyone for being a weatherman. <laughs> I don't get the imminent ruage from this Bill Paxton. Listen, like I said, no one's going to win any awards here, but they all have fun with it. I love how Bill Paxton and Helen Hunt just hate each other's guts and wind up at 
wind up together again at the end as if it's going to work again mm-hmm. it's clearly not and you know like philip seymour hoffman plays a dummy he's dust the dust man <laughs> now, here's my question what is dusty's role in this team I don't uh, know if there is one. He's the comic relief, I think. But everybody else has this very specific role. I guess he's just, he's providing the tunage. Is that what it is? I think I think his bus has like all the TV monitors in it. So he someone needs to drive that. Is yeah, that essentially. <laughs> yeah, um, he, he doesn't really, I, again, I think he's just there for comic relief. And uh, I don't know what that really plays into with uh, tornado hunting, but just keeping it light, I guess. You know. Yeah. Right. The only part I ever remember from his character is how he pronounces food when food. he's talking to food. Food. It's so frustrating. <laughs> yeah. I I think the only thing he does in the movie is I think he sets up the video camera. Yeah. He's just there. He tells Helen Hunt when things are happening because he was just by a television at that moment. Yeah. <laughs> I like I was like Mark. I'm not even going to say that I I I had this on VHS and I watched this a ton. We probably could have done this whole episode without me having watched it again because it was like muscle memory once watching. I was like, "Oh yeah, I remember this scene. I remember this scene. I could probably tell you exactly what this person's going to say next." I haven't watched this in 20 years, probably close to it. It's fine. It's that mid nineties. It's just it's it hits it it's a it's a seeing eye single. It does what it needs to do. Kinda like Independence Day, which was the number one movie this year of ninety-six. It's looking back on it, it's not great. Like I said, Bill Paxton is so stiff in this movie, and I've pointed out in my plot like places where I can't stand his line reading and I've always hated these specific lines. <laughs> I don't get the chemistry with Bill Paxton or Helen Hunt in this role, in either roles. It's also that like contrived thing where like two people are divorced, but it's like, oh, well, why are they divorced? Why don't they get along? It was like, oh, well, one had commitment issues. And then like, we don't really see any of the problems that would have led to their divorce within it. Obviously, they're mad at each other and that's just supposed to do. It's like, well, you know, you guys were storm chasers like if they had gave him like you know they had that whole story and when he was the extreme when they first met him when he was drunk as a skunk and and he throws the the jack daniels bottle so it's like that could have been a part of his characters like oh well you know i was drunk the entire time when we were storm chasing then i felt like i had to get clean so i had to get away from this whole situation that makes us a lot of sense just the oh well you couldn't commit and then well you didn't know how to be a wife blah 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 it's like this is <laughs> generic I don't know why we need these two to have gotten divorced, but we need to, we'll just have something very contrived in it. Like, and then, you know, because it said so in the script. You're the one looking for the longer, grittier reboot then. I I just, I just need a reason. Like I was, I was self-destructive back then and I needed to get out and I, I just had to leave. That's, that could have been it. Now I'm clean and sober and now I'm a stiff and I'm boring (laughs) and I've got a bunch of guys that I think could have been better in this role just because because the extreme is he's supposed to be putting on airs, right? He's that's the that's his his whole arc is that he gets away from the storm hunting stuff and he tries to be someone that he's not, who is a weatherman. And then it just his whole old life comes back because that's who he really is. Bill yeah. Paxton is playing the guy as if the second version of him is the person he is. Yes. He's that yeah. stiff. Well, to be guy fair, going to make a relationship with Jamie Gertz's uh, therapist character in this film. So, th- I don't... to be fair, man, he drives through 
storms. He drives through a, a house in this. That's pretty extreme. But he, but I'm not buying it. I'm not buying Bill Paxton as that extreme dude. I, but you can see how much he loves chasing tornadoes. That's that's no, the extreme I'm part. I'm telling you, I'm I'm not getting that. Oh, I'm getting what? I'm uh, Bill. Bill Paxton is nailing the weatherman for me, but he's not nailing the extreme. I I don't know how much more extreme you can get. He I, he's having houses houses thrust into his way. Only he could have totally stopped and went around the house. We'll get into that. But. <laughs> but that's the extreme part. You go through the house, all right? Yeah. And that that's also something comes extreme. With one of my least favorite line readings of his. Well, <laughs> but um, he's also he gets put into the eye of the storm, man. Look, these are all acts of God that are thrust upon a real a real stuffed shirt. He could have turned back. He could have turned back and tucked tail at any time, like a, a, a real meteorologist probably would. And he doesn't because just because the script told him not to. That's what I'm saying. It's like <laughs> this version of the extreme of Bill is is just doing this stuff. Like, all right, so I'm just going to spoil it. Who would be great in this? Billy Bob Thornton. I would buy Billy Bob Thornton as the extreme. And he'd be he would look completely out of place as the weatherman trying to pretend to be someone he's not. And that's how I feel like the extreme should be played. Bill Paxton's not, not doing that for me. That's what I'm saying. Do you think Bill Pullman would have been a better... No, actor. he's he would be just as stiff. I think, <laughs> I think Bill Paxton even is more much, stiff. I think Bill Paxton is a much better actor than Bill Paul. Yeah, fair enough. That I, uh, I, I feel like, like Billy Bob so, Thornton. He would just be like a slob. I think he could clean. I I think in the mid nineties he clean he could clean up. He was clean cut in Armageddon. That's the NASA. true. So the person that they were planning to use was Tom Hanks, which I still don't, I don't think he's right mm-hmm. for it either. No, I think uh, he would have been worse. Yeah, but I have some other names here too that I I could get into right now. We just so I have yeah, I, an A tier and a B tier. So there there are people that I thought were too big for it at this moment, which I was surprised to see Tom Hanks was actually yeah. considered for this. I thought Bruce Willis was too big for it. Probably wasn't right either. Too much of a tough guy. Kevin Costner was too big at this moment, yeah, which sounds it, crazy. It, in my head, just before you read off, because I don't know if he's on your list, mm-hmm. but the first thing that popped in my head when you said other people was for some reason Tim Robbins. Tim Robbins is there. Mm, Tim Robbins. Yeah. Okay. Tim Robbins, I could see it. So here's I, my I see him more than the others so far. Mm-hmm. I have an A tier of Billy Bob Thornton, Gary Sinise, oh. Jeff Daniels, Kevin Bacon, or Tim Robbins. Gary Sinise would have been good as Kerry Elways, like as the antagonist. Okay. I, I could see yeah. that. And I yeah, have Kerry a Elways was really misplaced in this movie. Mm-hmm. I have a B tier of Michael Madsen and Val Kilmer. Ooh. Who was, probably, was probably doing Batman at this moment ish. Yeah. Around there. Yeah. When did, was that 95, 96? I can't remember when Forever yeah. came out. It was around the same time. Yeah. And then not popular enough in 96, but in hindsight would have worked. Vigo Mortensen was around <laughs> the same time. Because that was G.I. Jane, right? Well, it was just, he's about the same age as Bill Paxton. So Bill Paxton was born in 1955. Helen Hunt was born in 1963. So I kind of just looked into actors that were born in that gap um, to kind of figure it out. Okay. But, uh, so apparently they were also looking at Kurt Russell, which he's he would have been too old for Helen Hunt, though. That would have been 12-year age gap, which just really wouldn't have made sense. I mean, uh, he can play extreme, though. No, yeah, he totally would work, but you'd have to recast her, I think. Okay. 
Yeah. But... Per- personally, I would think that you, like a 12 year age gap with these people have been married and divorced. I feel like that would be like, oh, well, he totally took advantage of someone that was way too young for him. Yeah. And they worked together. <laughs> you know, they're in a 2020 mindset that was like, oh, well, he must have been grooming her. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's definitely popping up now. Yeah. I mean, even the the six, the eight year age difference is, you know, but. I mean, I, they they felt like they worked. Helen Hunt's very, she's kind of a tomboy in this movie, so she kind of, you know, has that older mind. She seems older than, I think she was like 33 when, so. Yeah. They kind of met in the middle, it felt like. But Yeah, it's fine. I think Philip Seymour Hoffman's kind of annoying in this. Like, he's a good actor, and you could tell he's a good actor in this movie, but he's annoying. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. I think they wasted, there's a few actors who are wasted, and, and Philip Seymour Hoffman is definitely one of them. You got Cameron from Ferris Bueller's Day Off just reading maps. Yeah. There you go. I, what yeah. was Philip Seymour Hoffman in prior to this? Because this came out, what, 96, we said? 96. This would have been like pre-Boogie Nights, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, Pre-Boogie Nights would have been pre-Big Lebowski. I don't think he was in anything, really, of any interest. Let's see. Nobody's Fool. When a Man Loves a Woman. Man, nothing really sticking out. Scent of a Woman was 92, but he was pretty young. Yeah. He was in an episode of Law and Order. There you That's go. That's pretty much it. Yeah. yeah. Well, this was like his big breakout role, I would assume. Yeah, and then Boogie Nights really, really got him in. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, pre Boogie Nights, this makes sense. Then he would have to play the annoying douchebag. Yeah, exactly. Then he kind of really hits his stride in the late '90s. Yeah. Boogie Nights, Next Stop Wonderland, Big Lebowski, Happiness, Patch Adams, Flawless, Magnolia. I hate Magnolia. <laughs> but that's for a different podcast. Yeah, not really. That, we we usually talk about movies we don't like on here. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So maybe one day we'll do Magnolia. <laughs> don't yeah. spoil my next choice, guys. Yeah, <laughs> that's that violates the the length of <laughs> length of film rule that I'm going to impose. That 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 movie's over three hours long. <laughs> that's a rule I wholeheartedly agree with. By the way, so a lot of the times you... your totalitarianism kind of irks me, but this I'm with 100. percent Oh yeah. Oh. Oh, I'm hearing is that we're not doing the Snyder. Cut. <laughs> 100% we're not touching the Snyder cut. I don't care if it's the best movie ever made. Yeah. We're not reviewing the Snyder cut. We don't need, we don't need death threats in our life. Well, we could use a little bit of that here and there. Yeah, maybe. You know, right? spice it up a bit. get some heat. Yeah, get some heat. All right. <laughs> you guys want to get into the plot? Yeah, why not? Yeah, All right. Dan, what do you got for us? All right. So. Our good friend Tia, if you listen to the podcast before, you know you've heard me talk about her all the time. She is a part of Geek Vibes Nation. She's a good friend of the podcast. She has her own podcast called The Top Ten with Tia. Uh, it's a weekly podcast where her and her friends get together and they discuss top ten lists. So top ten directors, top ten Marvel villains, you name it, they've probably done it so far. Uh, go give them a look. Again, she's a very good friend of ours. She's a great person. She deserves your patronage. Is that a thing for podcast patronage? Yeah, sure. Why not? All right. There you go. <laughs> All right. We're going to be right back. But before we do, we're going to stop and listen to some friends of the podcast. So we will be right back. Hey, this is Ken M. Padawan J. Coach Duffy. From the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour podcast. Every week, the ODPH is talking sports, movies, TV, comics, and more. It's always a parlay of topics on each episode. You can find the ODPH on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and wherever you find great podcasts such as the one you're listening to right now. Don't forget to check out OchoDuroParleyHour.com where you can find the links to all of the ODPH social media accounts 
links to the bands whose music you hear each week on the show, hashtag 607 podcast info, and parlay points are a companion block section of the show. Thanks for listening to the ODPH. Now get back to your regularly scheduled podcast. Welcome, travelers. It seems like you're looking for a story. Well, I got one for you. It involves adventure, friendship, and all hey, sorts hey, of... Hey, uh, Earl, why don't you tell him about that time I stole that big-ass melon? Yeah, yeah, I, I was going for more... Or you could tell him about the time I kicked your ass, Earl. I wouldn't ever tell him Do I need to get time. my ref gear on? Okay, everyone, shut up. Now come with me as I tell you a story from afar. Hey everybody, my name's David. I'm the DM for From Afar Podcast. A From Afar Podcast is all about four friends separated by distance, brought together by adventure. Hope you all stop by and give us a listen. Thanks. And welcome back, and now it's time to get into the plot for Twister. We open in Oklahoma in June 1964 as a massive thunderstorm rolls in at a farmhouse. A family watches the news as it reports a tornado warning. For some reason, the family is very casually sitting in their house as apocalyptic lightning happens outside. I know my ass would be already in that storm cellar when this is all happening, but their small child is sleeping upstairs. Eventually, they move their ass to the storm cellar, which is apparently like 100 yards away from the house. Is that a thing? I, I meant to look that up. It was like no. the storm cellars were that far. But um, You would think that they would be attached to the house. Yeah, I mean, exactly, or at least like yeah. nearby. And plus, that I, shit would be lost, by the way. I think it's um, I think it's some distance because even the end of the movie, Storm Cellar, um, where that family comes out of, seems to be away from the house a bit. I don't know if it's as far as this opening scene. Yeah, I don't uh, know. It's a, a long uh, way to go for I'll never a family that. How people could live in that area? Yeah, you know I what I know. mean, like the Storm Central or whatever. Mm-hmm. Who settles there? Tornado Alley. Yeah, yeah, Tornado Alley. Why do we do this to ourselves? What? There's got to be somewhere better, right? <laughs> Probably. The crops grow good there. So. <laughs> that's what it is. Uh-huh. Yeah, I guess that's a fair trade-off. <laughs> good crops. Yeah. Pros and cons list. Let's make one for <laughs> Oklahoma. Uh, so they go into the storm cellar, and the dad claims it could be an F5. They almost leave a dog outside, but this was the trick that you see in every mid-90s disaster movie, because the dog never dies. Uh, even pulled this shit in Speed 2 Cruise Control. We, we see you, yawn de bon. <laughs> uh, um, and then, for some reason, the dad tries desperately to hold the door shut, which doesn't work, and he goes, <laughs> gets sucked up right into the tornado. <laughs> it's pretty great. <laughs> and but then literally, literally, the dog, the little girl, and the mom are perfectly fine without the door, so yeah. talk about wasted effort on the dad's part. <laughs> Yeah, he gets uh, sucked up in that tornado and spit out in West Canaan, Texas. <laughs> I wish they would have had, like, what, what is it, the Wilhelm scream? The Wilhelm scream, yeah. The Wilhelm. <laughs> that would have been great. I'm ignoring the Varsity Blues reference from Mark. <laughs> We're just going to move on. Flash forward to present day and the NSSL. Uh, record outbreak of tornadoes will be hitting the Midwest of Oklahoma. And we cut to sweeping country landscapes as we meet Bill and Melissa as they go to meet up with Joe, Bill's estranged wife. And we meet Joe and her team of storm chasers getting ready to go chase him. Everyone is really excited to see Bill, especially Dusty, played by Philip Seymour Hoffman. Dusty keeps calling Bill the extreme, <laughs> which, as mentioned, Bill Paxson is horribly miscast for the role of a former crazy weather chaser. Uh, yeah. Bill eventually makes his... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, my favorite part of this whole section is that the entire crew knows Bill better than Bill knows Bill. And it's sort of like, hey, welcome back. Glad to see you're back. I'm and he's just back. like, I'm not back. 
<laughs> what, like, wouldn't sure. it be great if they had the wrong Bill? <laughs> they keep saying that Bill is this extreme guy, and he's like, I'm, I'm really not that Bill. Like, no, you're Bill. No, I'm telling you, I am not that Bill. I've never met you people in my life. That'd be weird. Yeah, I would like that. <laughs> That's what you would like. That's what would make this movie better for you. Yeah, just it, and it turns out to be like a psychological kind of movie. They they gaslit Helen Hunt's character the entire time. Right. <laughs> like, oh, you, that's right, Joe. Yeah, Bill. You were yep, never I, married, Joe. Right. That'd be great. And she really died in the Twister back in uh, <laughs> 1964. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Bill eventually makes his way over to Joe, who tries to avoid him as much as possible. He's there to pick up her signed divorce papers. She avoids it, prepping for their storm chasing. And Bill tells her that he's getting married to Melissa, who she calls Melinda, because she's a bitch. Um, <laughs> Joe hands over the papers, and it turns out she, quote-unquote, forgot to sign one of the papers. Then he says, you forgot one of these, you got to sign. So she says, oh, I have to read it now. She's just being really difficult. Yeah. And he made it all. he came all that way. And then she says the re- reason she made him come all this way for her to pick up the papers was because of Dorothy. I guess the mislead was supposed to be, you would think that Dorothy was a daughter, but it's not. It's an instrument package meant to study the inside of a tornado. It's basically a fancy garbage can with sensor balls inside. It's supposed to get sucked up into the tornado and then release all these sensor balls so they could track what's inside the um, the funnel. The hope for Dorothy would be to able to increase the preparedness time for tornado uh, from three minutes to 15 minutes. That would be pretty extreme, Ant, if yeah. he was a deadbeat dad. That would be, right? <laughs> what about our daughter, Bill? I told you I, I have bigger plans in life. I can't be tied down to Dorothy. Yeah. Uh, I, it would be great if he, when they went to Meg's house and he comes down from a shower, it was like you could just see that he's got like a back tattoo that just says the extreme on it. <laughs> yeah, he should have had some like stunner shades or whatever. Frosted tips. I'd want to see a movie about the extreme, not this. Sure. Extreme. Not the weatherman version of the extreme. Well, we got to get the prequel. The right? Twister prequel. Yeah. Twister pre- I don't know what you call it. The extreme. <laughs> Twister, Twister the two, extreme. The extreme. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Let's do it. It's the, okay. it's, the it's the sequel that everyone's clamoring for. <laughs> <laughs> to be to be honest, I'm kind of surprised there hasn't been something to do with Twister. Yeah. A prequel or a sequel. Yeah. Even a direct-to-video sequel. See, it, it, he's not the right age for it. The perfect person to play the extreme nowadays would be Timothy Oliphant, but he can't play the young extreme. <laughs> they do kind of look similar. Yeah, but he'd be great. I would believe Timothy Oliphant as the extreme because he's got like that edge to him. Yeah, it always looks like he's about to snap at any second. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I'll give you that one. Uh, so they get a reading that a tornado is nearby, so the scene, the team sets up to chase it. Bill plans to let them go ahead without them, but Joe never signed the papers in full, so he's forced to follow them. Just putting people in danger because she's petty. Yeah. While they drive, they come across another team led by Jonas, played by Carrie Ooz, a former <laughs> colleague of Joe and Bill's, who worked at the same lab as they did. Now Jonas has corporate sponsors and fancy gadgets, so it's basically Rocky Four. Uh, yeah, yeah, he yeah. he's sold out. Jonas yeah. sold out, man. They got the oh, look at all these fancy gadgets versus look at all these uh, you know, homegrown 
uh, you know, yeah, it's just cobbling things together, just like Rocky versus Ivan Drago. Like, who would have thought that there was an underground like weather? Yeah. Uh, like, is this uh, a job match. or is this a hobby? Or like, are these people right. getting paid? Well, that's why I figured. Are they getting Bill, grants? I, I think it's grants because I was gonna say I figured that's why Bill wanted to leave to become a, a weatherman so he could get paid, right? right. Yeah. Everyone else is just kind of living off the the uh, the kindness of strangers here. But he's he's anti. So the the storm chasing business has gotten too corporate because he even says about Jonas, he's in it for the money, not the science. God, that, that's so that makes me want to puke. Yeah. <laughs> it's like how much money is in it? Come on. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, was this guy a millionaire all of a sudden? It's, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they do keep repeating that they're running out of grant money, and uh, you know, at the end, she says, "Oh, we're got, we're gonna get a new grant. We gotta figure out how to use it." So, I don't understand how grants work, to be honest. I wasn't smart enough to get a grant in college, so they just grant money to you. But like, how does that make? How does that help you live? Essentially, they're granting your work, not not paying you money, right? I mean, I'm assuming it it'll hopefully cover room and board and the salaries of people that. You know, work for you. Who do you think sponsors Carrie El- Elway's character in this? Uh, Boeing, like, maybe. Okay. That, yeah. I was going to say Lockheed Martin. Gonna, that would make more sense, right? NASA. Yeah. Do they yeah. sponsor people? I think so. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think Boeing's a good call. I was yeah. hoping you would say something silly, Ant, like, you know, like <laughs> Doritos or something, because we're going extreme, right? right. So sure. Like, <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, like, I don't know. They don't, well, they we, don't. They don't come off as extreme. No. Well, the extremes team is sponsored by Pepsi, apparently, as yeah. we find that later in the movie. And uh, nowadays it would be Monster Energy. Yeah. Also, I, <laughs> I feel like Carrie always is, uh, when he was cast as, as this as Jonas, they told him he was going to have to give like a, a Midwestern accent, and he just <laughs> totally forgot the day of, of uh, shooting. He's like, oh shit, I have to do an accent. And just kind of, <laughs> like, yep, that sounds good. Okay. And just went rolled with it, because it is... It's really distracting whenever yeah. he's whenever he's on camera. His accent is incredibly distracting. It's bad. It's not great. Um, <laughs> Gary Owens is ne- has never been great at doing any American accents. But they uh, keep he, insisting that he plays an American. <laughs> yeah, he could have just as easily been British, right? Yeah. In this movie. Yeah. Well, right. Yeah. There's there's no reason to portray him as anything other than British. Yeah, he's over here on a work visa because he's a storm chaser. Apparently. Right. Yeah, yep. you're gonna tell me that America is the only place that chases storms? Nope. I think other countries have storms. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I think so. I, I, but it seems, it seems like a very American, American thing. It seems very American. But yeah, that's a good point. Be, right? When's the last time you heard of the UK getting hit by a tornado? Yeah, I, man, that's a mm. that's a good question. <laughs> well, there you go. That's I'm, the, thinking, I'm, I'm gonna... thinking it's more to the point that Americans would think of the idea of we got to go drive at that tornado. And not away from it to safety. Uh, so you think Brits make fun of us for that? These Probably. these Yanks and their guns and storm chasing. Yeah, sure. They're so extreme. But he he could be like he could come over here for university, as the Brits would say, and then yeah. he gets you know wants to be some a we, just generic weather, and then he just gets enamored with the idea of chasing storms. He doesn't need yeah. to be like, well, I need to I need to learn about tornadoes so I can bring it back to the UK. Well, now this is something that we explore in Twister 2, the extreme. Or the, I guess you can't have a spinoff movie. <laughs> you can't yeah. have. 
Well, because right, Jonah, you can't have a Jonah sequel movie. Yeah, or like a a a crossover comic or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I guess you could do like an also a prequel, but it's Jonas, you know. And my name is Jonas or something like that. Right. right. That'd be the opening song. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I, I dig uh, it. I love it. Yeah. So as they come upon Jonas's convoy, uh, one of the convoy runs Bill off the road and he blows a tire, which is a, probably a crime, <laughs> you know, that they just let go. Uh, they stop to get the tire fixed and Bill spots Jonas showing off his version of Dorothy, which is called Dot. He basically just lifted their... Uh, their invention. So Bill and Jonas get into a scuffle over the stolen design, and their respective teams have to break it up. I I, I love how uh, Bill was between knocking the hat off and punching Carrie Elwes character when, when he approaches him. Mm-hmm. He like sort of just slaps him on the top of the head. Yeah, that's an ultimate that disrespect move, by the way. <laughs> you slap someone's hat off. Yeah. Yeah. I've had it done many times to me. That's why I know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this happens to you a lot. Oh, and it happened to me constantly. Whenever I wore a hat, I was always in fear of it being knocked off. Uh, that's the Instagram post right there. Uh, <laughs> so Jonas and his team, Jonas and his team, Melissa and Joe, all head into the diner for some food and drinks while Bill hangs out outside throwing dirt in the wind. Jonas approaches Joe and tries to glean info from her, and she kind of rebuffs him. And then Joe and Melissa have a talk. Joe says that Jonas is waiting to see what Bill does before making a move. And then Melissa says that she understands that Joe still loves Bill, but hopes there isn't. this hasn't been all a ploy to get him back. And then outside, the sky turns green and the team rolls out. Bill jumps into Joe's truck, leaving Melissa to drive behind in his truck. And I'm not sure what Dusty's role is on the team <laughs> is quite yeah. yet. Well, um, it's, uh, <laughs> it, it's kind of explaining that, uh, or was it Joe that said it? It was the... Uh, Gave Bill a new nickname that he's the human barometer. Mm, yeah. And... <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I wonder if they kind of just keep du- Dusty around. <laughs> just like, yeah. yeah, you know, he he tries so hard, and God bless him, he just doesn't have the talent, but we're too Someone's nice to gotta... turn him away. <laughs> we need a sixth driver. <laughs> he's been right. there since the beginning. <laughs> and he, he would die if he were on his own, essentially. <laughs> probably. Right. So it's more out of charity yeah. than anything. So Joe and Bill have a conversation in the truck, mostly a fight regarding what went wrong in their relationship. It's mostly generic things about commitment and what it means to be in a marriage, but none of these things are shown as character failures in the actual movie. Tornado touches down, and Joe eventually goads Bill to drive into a ditch as he drives towards the tornado, which Bill cannot get out of. So then he crashes it into a small bridge. Joe tries to get Dorothy ready to get sucked up, but the tornado is right on them, so they have to hide under the bridge, and the tornado sucks the truck up and moves on. The truck gets dropped right in front of Melissa driving Bill's truck and nearly takes her out. And Joe's truck is totaled and Jonas's team drive past without stopping to help. Then we do that thing where a character suggests something. Another character says, there's no way in hell that's happening. And then we cut to that thing totally happening, which yeah. is not the only time it happens in this movie. Happens a lot. Yeah. And I would love to know. I, I would love to watch this movie with a real storm chaser and just see like, if you went under that bridge, would you really survive? Like, I don't want to know storm chasers. I don't want them in my house. <laughs> well, that's Where a great they... thing about the quarantine. We can do it over Zoom. Where do they rank in the, uh, I guess, the list of people who you don't want in your house? Who's above them? Uh, like people I really would definitely like, like Florida beach people. <laughs> really? Yeah. Would be wow. So did you feel this way about storm chasers prior to watching this movie? No, just up until Mark 
suggested watching this movie with a storm chaser and i was like man that's like the one of the last things i'd want to do <laughs> it just popped in my head right now it's like yeah i probably don't want they probably they're probably always dirty like i assume that they like, I assume yeah. they're always on the road and then they like, get into like a lot of mud because it's always raining when they're going chasing storms so like i'd probably have to like you know steam clean the couch after they get up off of it yeah they're- I would imagine they're almost like like sea captains, but with way less cool stories. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're like nomads. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Rolling stones. You know, wherever they lay their hat is their home. I don't. I don't need yeah, any of that. Yeah, you don't want voice. that. Yeah, it's <laughs> a good point. It's about commitment. What about then, commitment, Joe? Because then they just kind of crash, right? And you can't get yeah. rid of them. A lot of couch surfing in the storm chasing world, I would assume. Bill, I really need you to leave my house. Oh, you know, I'm I'm waiting on the big one, Aunt. I can't go. I'm waiting. I'm waiting we, on that f- number five. We see it happen. We see them crash Aunt Meg's house. That's right. And she like hundreds of dollars worth of steak. She has to feed these people. I didn't and see anybody give her any money. That's what I was saying before. They they basically live off the kindness of yeah. of strangers. Really, Oof. they're that's why you get into it for the money, friends. Okay. They're, they're modern day hobos. Always go for the money. Don't let your integrity get in the way of money. Yeah, it, <laughs> be Jonas. <laughs> yeah. If we could say one thing about this movie, it's to be Jonas. Yes. Mark, were you going to say something? I, I forgot that we haven't actually gotten to the Meg scene yet. I have a comment when we get there. Yeah. Save it. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. So where were we after that? <laughs> uh, uh, Joe's try- We do the thing where... Yeah, it's totally not happening, but then that thing totally happens. So they strap Dorothy to to the to Bill's truck, and Dorothy, uh, Bill's truck, Bill's driving. Joe's the passenger, and Melissa's in the back. Then Joe and Bill's team catches up to Jonas's team, but then they realize the tornado is going to shift course, so they bail out onto another road while Jonas's team continues down the main road. Sure enough, the tornado shifts direction and heads into the direction of Joe's team because you remember. Bill has some sort of magical sixth sense when it comes to tornadoes. He's a human barometer. It's like the lamest nickname ever. Yeah. Next to maybe the extreme. Uh, They get closer and closer to the Twisters, which have now split into two. And Bill does the stupid thing of driving right into them with no place to go because now he's on a bridge. And And probably the most famous scene of this movie. Mm -hmm. We got cows. So... One I think cow that's the one. same cow. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that was the that was the big uh, that was the trailer the yeah. trailer scene. Yeah. So the tornado hits them straight on and they get tossed about and then the tornado disappears. So they're fine. Joe and Bill get out of the car in celebration as Melissa basically shit her pants. <laughs> and this is severe endangerment of <laughs> Melissa throughout this entire movie. Yeah. Uh, whose only crimes seem to be she's not Joe and she's wearing a pantsuit. <laughs> the team celebrate and mention that they're not too far from Joe's aunt's house in Wakita, and they want to bombard her with people so she'll cook food for them. And then Joe does the thing again and says there's no way that they're going to her aunt's house, and then they do. Yeah. Aunt Meg cooks up some steak and eggs, which look yeah. delicious. Yeah. But the, Melissa, go ahead. I, I two things I thought were gonna happen in the scene, um, and I don't remember if the one does happen or. Um, was I thought it was going to be a whole thing where um, Melissa was going to be vegetarian or vegan, mm-hmm. you know, as they just kept throwing the meat and stuff on her plate and she was just looking at it. Um, yeah, I actually, that was my next note. I said Melissa yeah. reacts to steak like she's a ve- vegetarian, but it's never mentioned if that's the case. Yeah, and um, 
and the joke non-joke about where the stakes came from, which I didn't get. You know, whether she was joke, she was like, he's like, hey, where'd you get all these steaks? He's like, oh, did you see my cows outside? And well, that's, just, that's the, the joke is that, no, you don't see any cows, because that's yeah. the cow right there. Yeah, yeah, but, but like... I don't think she has cows. Yeah, but, you I know, I, that. yeah, it was kind of, I was like, oh, well, it would have been, okay. But yeah, but that was, it felt like a wink and a nod sort of thing. Um, yeah. Probably was. But yeah, I, but that I, vegetarian thing was, I was waiting for that, and maybe that's just from personal experience i would guess that it would be pretty irresponsible of her if she had cows and she slaughtered her own cows to kill to slaughter all the cows at the same time you know you would see cows yeah like i feel like she'd save the other ones like well i don't need to kill four cows i'll just kill one slaughter that and we'll have steaks for a while yeah you still need milk right I, I I just think it's irresponsible to not have a backup cow. Yeah. For the, situations like this. That's like that's like the that's like the first rule of of, of cow owning. Yeah. Always have <laughs> Always another have one. A cow. <laughs> what if Joe's team of storm chasing hobos comes in and they need steaks? Well, right, I just killed lot. slaughtered my last cow and I didn't replace it. What an idiot I am. Yeah. So, Mark, this is stuff you got to learn if you're gonna own a house in Oklahoma. <laughs> that's my dream. How'd you know? I, I my dream is to own a place that's near a holler. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, so Melissa reacts to the steak like she's a vegetarian, but it's never mentioned. And then they watch TV, an interview on TV with Jonas, and they all scoff at him. And Dusty says he's gonna rue the day he goes up against the extreme, imminent ruage. <laughs> so this transitions into a story about a drunk Bill getting out of his car naked and throwing a Jack Daniels bottle at a tornado. And this story is much more believable with Billy Bob Thornton as Bill. <laughs> <laughs> I get to see Billy Bob Thornton doing that, like in real life. Yeah, just real, yeah, real life Billy Bob Thornton throwing a Jack Daniels tornado. Absolutely. So then they explain the Fujita scale, and Melissa asks how many of them have seen an F5, and they say that only one of them has seen an F5. The meaning finger Joe of God. And, finger of God, meaning Joe and the storm sucked up her dad. I don't know why that's funny to me. It just is. <laughs> well, they have such, like reverence for it you know like yeah. oh the, the f5 it, it's almost like someone mentioned um voldemort essentially sure. we don't talk about the f5 like, well yeah everybody stops what they're doing right anybody right. seen an f5 <gasps> what well it's not what's this like, question right like, how dare you young lady no one talks about that well no one she didn't know she didn't if, if joe was wasn't too busy being a total jerk to her maybe she they could have talked and she could have figured this out, yeah. but no. Now, t- now I, she looks like a jerk. Is it safe to say we're Team Melissa? Oh, she's the smartest yeah. person in this movie by oh, far. Yeah. We, so, we stand Dr. Melissa Reeves. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so Joe has a mo- uh, then Joe has a moment with her aunt as they talk about her feelings for Bill, and the team rushes out to chase the next storm. And here's one thing, especially about Melissa. Why wouldn't they just suggest Melissa stay at Joe's house, uh, at Meg's house at this moment? Right, you have unlimited stakes. Well, just like, you know what, Melissa, it's getting kind of dangerous, and we're just going to go chase another storm. Why don't you hang out here with Meg? We have a nice talk. She seems like a very lovely person. She's got an awesome dog named Moe's. You know, we'll be back. <laughs> we won't put you in harm's way again. And really, Bill Paxton should have stayed as well. It, it should really, like, this movie should have just been like, I need you to sign this paper. I will, as soon as I get back from Chasing Storms. Sounds good. I'll see you at, uh, what's her name's house? Meg. Meg. I'll see you at Meg's house. Sounds good. End of right. the movie. 
And that was his original plan until she revealed Dorothy. It's kind of manipulative. Yeah. Like super manipulative um, of her to do that. But yeah, so then he's like, I'm going to give you to the end of today and then I'm gone. But that doesn't even happen either. I think no. uh, I, it's one, it's like 24 hours. I think this movie really is, yeah. right? Yeah, I think it's so. only It's only one night, but then it ends by the next morning. Yeah, I think he's completely in once, you know, Melissa leaves and all that. Then that yeah. whole... I'm only here for a day thing doesn't matter anymore. Right. But that is still the first day. Yeah. When that happened. Um, so they head off going through some dirt roads and cornfields. And Bill then has to wire Joe as if she needs a little Pell mic. It was a moment of physical contact. Completely contrived and pointless. Never happens again. And she's never wearing a lapel mic again. I guess it's supposed to set up that she's going to say everything over the radio for later. But eventually the team makes its way back. Back to the main road, just as Jonas's convoy is driving past, almost causing an accident. As they're driving, Bill looks to the sky and says, we gotta get off of this road, which is one of the, my least favorite line readings in this movie. <laughs> they turn off the road, and then they lose track of the tornado, but then they eventually figure out that they're just about to drive into it. They get some hail, and the team pulls over to set up as Bill and Joe drive closer. Bill hops into the flatbed and starts turning on Dorothy. They stop the truck and try to get Dorothy prepared and off the truck. Tornado heads towards them and knocks power lines down. One of the poles knocks onto the truck, and the tornado disappears. Dorothy is knocked off the truck, spills all the sensors out. Team tries to figure out where it went, and then they think it's gone, but Bill says it's back building, and we know he's right because it growls like a lion. Second <laughs> movie in a row where that. they just where they just use lion sound effects. Um, yep. Bill puts Joe back in the truck in spite her protests and basically drives over Dorothy. They get out of the way of the tornado. Then Joe has a speech about her vendetta against tornadoes as if Joe is the quint of this movie. And yeah. Yeah. Th- this, she's the Brody. She's, uh, right. No, she's Quint. No, she's I, well, it's, I thought it would be, uh, Mrs. Brody and Jaws the Revenge talking about how, well, yeah, Shark is just true. hunting the Brody family. Yes. It's kind of both because yeah. the tornadoes in this aren't searching out for Joe. Joe's searching for the shark, essentially. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you're right. <laughs> Mrs. Brody goes down to the Caribbean and the shark follows. <laughs> <laughs> that would be something. Joe goes to the Caribbean and the, the tornado hits her. <laughs> What's that tornado? This tornado is just making a beeline right from the Caribbean, from Oklahoma to the Caribbean. <laughs> just a swath of destruction across the, across the United States. Line. <laughs> it can't be stopped. <laughs> I watched that movie. At it. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, nuke, they try nuking it. Oh, I 100% think there is an asylum movie about a nuclear tornado. Guarantee. I'm not even joking about that. <laughs> it is probably just named Nuclear Tornado. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, it's not even clever. Yeah. Um, so uh, she has a speech about her vendetta. Uh, Bill tells her to get over her dead dad and look at what she has, which is him, which isn't true because he left her. <laughs> uh, Melissa hears all of this over the radio. Look what you have in front of you, Joe, at least for another 24 hours. Yeah, yeah. Melissa, at this point, is when she starts becoming the only adult in the movie. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so she hears all this over the radio. Uh, then the team finds a motel slash rest stop slash drive-in theater to stop for the night. Melissa spends the time in the motel contemplating her relationship. And Joe signs the divorce papers, and Bill talks to Joe about maybe the whole Dorothy system is too light. Suddenly, the TVs start to flicker, and Bill and Joe know something's up. Joe's team. So this is one thing. Joe's team 
has about seven different people who have never stopped like researching and looking at Doppler radar and weather patterns this whole time. <laughs> and yeah. somehow a tornado sneaks up on them. They're always surprised. Just <laughs> always. Like it's on top of them when they finally realize it. Yeah, that, that's definitely not how twisters work. It's, <laughs> they don't just spring up without some type of it's warning. The, uh, the tornado you least expect the surprises. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, th- this then, yeah. this tornado's uh, sneak level is at 100. It's like that. It's the, uh, the Skyrim meme. Yeah. <laughs> sneak maxed out. So Dusty comes running up to Bill and he says, it's coming right for us. And then Bill says, it's already here. It's my second least favorite line. You reading Bill son Paxton. of a bitch. That is a classic line. And I will not allow you to besmirch that. I hate it. I hate it so much. <laughs> I thought that was going to be your worst line. Oh, it's so it, good. It's it so 90s. So I kind of did this in the order that they happen, but yeah, that might be my least favorite one. I, I can't. I can't. I can't agree with that. That's that's part of my childhood, man. That line, <laughs> it's already here. That's that's prime oh, trailer. Oh, th- that's like the perfect trailer line. It's mm-hmm. already here, and it's read to mwah, perfection. <laughs> uh, yeah, I hate it. Uh, <laughs> the tornado blows through the drive-in which was playing the shining uh, that has nothing to do with anything just mentioning it and the team hide in an auto repair shop as jeremy davies ineffectiveness almost gets joe's ki- joe killed as he hides in the truck which would reoccur in 1998 when his ineffectiveness leads to people dying and saving private ryan they hide in the auto repair shop the professor gets his head sliced by a flying hubcat but it would have been even more awesome if it took the top of his head off. That would be pretty great. Not enough, not enough casualties. Yeah, I think there's only two. So it's her dad who gets sucked up, and right. then three. I guess Jonas and his driver. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So three. Man, that that would be so badass if it was kind of like uh, the original Dawn of the Dead. Yes, the, exactly. Right. The. <laughs> yep. And it's just blood trailing down and topples over. I, yeah, I think that move. I think Twister could have used that. Yeah. Uh, so originally this movie was supposed to be rated R, and then they like re-edited it to be a PG-13. But that totally would have been awesome in the R version of this movie. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> so they're hiding in the auto repair shop, and then everything winds up crashing into the auto repair shop. The car, the drive-in sign, everything almost kills them, making the auto repair shop the worst place they could have decided to hide. Uh, yeah. Then Melissa freaks out, as well she should, but the storm then passes. Mark? No, I was, I was, I was agreeing with you. That it was absolutely the worst place <laughs> to hide. There wasn't any, you know, once that roof and walls came off, it wasn't like they were hiding under anything. Yeah. Uh, Dusty listens to the reports on the news and says the storm is going to hit Wakita head on. They pack up the vans and plan to go there to make sure Meg is okay. Bill goes to grab Melissa, and Melissa makes one of the most mature decisions ever made in a film ever. She says that she has to leave Bill and that it's basically no one's fault and she's not even mad. She just can't handle this storm chasing life and she knows that he's never going to stop doing this. So, and he's not even mad either. They're just super amicable about it. And she's just like, bye, I know my way home. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he that, was like, that's a queen move right there, man. Yeah. Yeah. He, and he was basically like, yeah, yeah, you're probably right. It's I missed super the best, mature. Yeah. And really. Bill is only screwing himself over again because there's, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, there's no way that he and Joe work out any longer than maybe a, a year or two after this. Yeah, I, I just think Melissa just like saw her life like down the road. She's just like, 
Fuck this. I could get me a real man that's not going to be just chasing storms all summer. Or to get his jollies off. That's the only way he can do it, man. Yeah. Like, what does he do during the off-season? That's a good point. Does he, like, just pick fights in bars and shit? (laughs) Well, according to you, he's not extreme enough. Probably not. He's probably just, like, cutting himself. He's probably a cutter. (laughs) Jesus. That's that's (laughs) something I could see Billy Bob Thornton doing. Oh, yeah, but he'd do that, like, openly. He'd do that in bars just to win a bet. (laughs) Just to intimidate the other person. Like, all right, man, I don't want to make trouble. Just, like... Just like starts cutting his, his just down his arm. Really he cuts his fight? tongue or something like that. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. yeah, Bill's just walking around bars or Bill Paxton's version, just knocking hats off people. <laughs> <laughs> What's Dan doing at that bar? Right. Oh god, no, it's Bill Paxton. Get him away. My, my nightmare and, is coming true. <laughs> and, and you see him across the room and he just goes, You <laughs> oh, he does the Hulk Hogan point. Yeah. <laughs> Oh God, no! Knock your hat off. I just, uh, I just grab my head and run for the door. <laughs> Not today, Bill. So the team drives to the Wakita, which takes about an hour, and Wakita has been destroyed by the tornado. They make it to Meg's house, which is caved in, and Bill and Joe go in to get Meg out. They find the dog, and then Meg, who is trapped under a bookcase, and Meg has cut on the head, but it's mostly fine. House starts shifting again. They almost get hit by a CRTV. Uh, but they eventually get out, and Bill goes back to get Moe's, the dog, and does just before the house completely caves in. Uh, they put Megan into an ambulance, who's just going to the hospital for observation, and then Dusty tells Joe that NS- the that the NSSL's uh, radar has tracked a storm, and they're looking at a potential F5. And Joe notices Meg's wind chimes, and realizes she has an idea on how to get the sensors to fly. She tells the team to round up every aluminum can they could find and get scissors and tape, and they're off. The plan for the sensors is to create a sort of pinwheel out of the cans and to place them onto sensors, basically giving them wings. Yeah, it's uh, and apparently Coke is not a thing in Oklahoma. No, it's not sponsored. Coca Cola, not, not Oklahoma. I'm sure is, Coke is a thing in Oklahoma. Oklahoma is sponsored by Pepsi. Uh, So, uh, so for anyone wondering, the team takes Moe's the dog with them for moral support. And the team loads Dorothy 3 and 4 at the Bill's truck and they head off towards the tornado. Joe and Bill drive up and get right up to the storm and drop Dorothy 2, 3, actually, 3, in the middle of the road and drive off. They watch as Dorothy 3 gets pushed around a bit and then gets knocked over by a tree. Not sure why the sensors don't work at this point, but whatever. And then the tree gets wedged underneath the truck and Bill can't get free. Then the storm tosses a tanker truck at them and then knocks them loose. But then it drops right in their path. It explodes and they have to drive through it. They now have one Dorothy left and continue chasing the storm. Jonas's team is in the vicinity and they hear them on the radio. They try to tell him the dot is going to be too light and he ignores them. Then they try to tell him he's going to drive right into the storm and get killed. And he shuts off his radio and he gets killed by debris through the windshield. Uh... They continue heading towards the storm as it picks up a bunch of tractors and shit from tractor supply and just starts tossing things into their path. And then Bill Paxton is surprised by Debris and he yells out, Debris! <laughs> Which is another line reading that I hate. I'll give you that one. That was pretty then bad. They drive, then they drive through a house and then Bill Paxton says, I think we're going in! <laughs> and it was another line I hate. Well, that's just fun. That's just good old-fashioned fun. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am completely shocked that at no point during this whole scene there wasn't, uh, you know, a, a, a sighting of a sheep to just have them stop short going, sheep! 
They should have had an old woman flying through at one point. That would have been, or at least you get the call back to Wizard of Oz. There you go. Yep. Um, and then, but he probably could have braked and went around, probably. So yeah, you know, he didn't really have to drive through that house. <laughs> anyway, well, agree to disagree. <laughs> anyway, they drive through a cornfield and set the cruise control and send Bill's truck and Dorothy four at the storm, which takes the whole, which takes the whole thing up. And the sensors immediately takes readings that get sent back to the crew. Well, then the tornado shifts course and heads straight for Bill and Joe, who now have to outrun a tornado. They manage to do it. They run through a cornfield and make it to a barn, which this barn is full of farm tools, which are not ideal in a, in a tornado, like scythes, axes, saws, etc. So they run out of it, which is yeah. which is for the best because the barn gets fucking destroyed. And they run to a smaller shed. But yeah, I was gonna say. The, the only thing, not that there's probably a million things we can mock science-wise in this movie, but I don't know if people are faster than a tornado on foot. They're not even uh, running that fast because they're running through a cornfield, yeah. but I, that that is, like, there is no fucking way these two people are outrunning this tornado. Um, yeah. I could believe I, the truck when they're driving away from it. Yeah, sure. No. Yeah. Uh, they run to a smaller shed where they tie themselves to some pipes with some belts, and it works for some reason. Everything gets destroyed with the belts and the pipe. Bill and Joe then have a playful fight about who's doing what now that they're probably going to be millionaires, I suppose, and then they make out. The team shows up wearing Van Halen, and that's basically it. Go ahead, Mark. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, and apparently during that whole belt thing, they didn't get hit by any debris in the tornado. No, uh, they did not. They are perfectly fine. Uh, but that's it. That's the end of the movie. Yeah. It's, right. It is the exact movie you remember from the 90s. I didn't realize it was as long as it was. It's just about two hours, right? Yeah. Yep. Two hours and like two minutes or something like that. But it's an easy two hours. Yeah. I think it goes by pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. I thought, yeah, I thought it was about, you know, um, 15 minutes longer. It it probably needed to be, or or, I'm not needed to be what I thought it was. Mm. Um, Would you make this longer, Mark? No. (laughs) No, uh, but I, I thought it, it turned out to be longer than I thought it was. I thought it was about an hour 45. It's 20 minutes shorter than Independence Day, which came out the same year. So that's Jesus. a thing. Yeah. Can't believe well, that movie was two hours and 25 minutes. Well, listen, Bill, if if you're listening wherever you are, you know, we hope you get good reception. Uh, <laughs> I apologize for my co-hosts <laughs> just trashing you. And I think you were great in the movie. You were a big part of my childhood. And I, I will defend your honor anytime, even if you knock my hat off. <laughs> you're, you're my guy, Bill. All right. Great. Uh, yeah. Uh, do you guys have anything that would make this movie better? Uh, I, I, I like the idea, maybe not making this movie better, but making the prequel of mm-hmm. how Bill was the extreme sure. and how he came into contact with Jonas, if Jonas were actually British, as he should be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you know maybe they're maybe they come up with Dorothy or Bill and Joe and uh, Jonas kind of come up with it and he kind of pulls the uh, the old Mark Zuckerberg to the to their Winklevoss twins with mm-hmm. Facebook. That would be pretty cool to see how they kind of hate each other and then watch Bill Paxton just tumble into a drunk stupor. Uh, yeah, I think that's how I would just pull a sequel out of this. <laughs> Uh, my my thing is three casting changes. We've discussed one in length. You know, I would definitely replace Bill Paxton. And for some reason, like I said, and he was on your list too, and you know, Tim Robbins was the first one that jumped into my head. Because um, they look they look similar, really. Yeah. 
Yeah. Bill Paxton and Tim Robbins. But I would believe I would believe Tim Robbins is the extreme more. Um, I would for some reason I would flip um, uh, uh, Alan Ruck, right? That's Cameron from Ferris Bueller. Yeah. Yeah. I'd flip him and Philip Seymour Hoffman's characters um, for some reason. Um, okay. I think if you're going to have Dusty have you know the the role and the lines he has, I feel like he could probably pull it off a little better. Interesting. Um, I I actually thought I hate like I said I hated that character and what he has to do, but I thought he was good in it. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Yeah. I I feel that the couple of scenes with the maps, I I, I don't know. Maybe it's me reading into you know PSH's later stuff. I thought he would be you know really good with the final when they're doing the hurry. Like you take 38 and you go here at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't know. I I for some reason I'd flip them. And then obviously you need a better actor to play Jonas, um, just because he's not villainy enough, if that's a word, um, you know, for for this movie. Um, I think the cat, I think they write the character good enough for this type of movie to be a villain, but he just doesn't, he doesn't ooze enough of that like smarminess um, that you you would need from somebody that's stealing someone's design, you know. So that would be it. Just a couple casting changes. I think the rest of me's fine. Um, in terms of just being a good popcorn movie. Okay. Yeah, I would just think about recasting Bill Paxton. This is one of his bigger roles, but uh, yeah, he just he's hit he's nailing the the stiff meteorologist aspect of it, but I don't feel like that's right for the actual role that it is. But I mean, this movie is just silly. It's fine the way it like. There's nothing specifically wrong with it. It's just. It's it's that type of movie, so I've, there's really nothing much else that I would change about it. Um, yeah, it's it was it was that V8 those one of those VHS yep. movies. It really like there's just an era of VHS movies, and this was one of them. I think everybody had Twister. Yep. Probably a whole bunch. That's like one of those movies that just everybody had it. Yeah, I, I assume it's the same as with DVDs, where everyone had Gladiator. Yeah, um, sure. You know, just because that was one of the first ones that took advantage of DVD. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, that, that's what I thought. Everyone I knew had this movie and, you know, we did some tape swapping where, you know, my one friend had ID4 and, you know, there was like a group of, you know, movies, uh, from this specific, like a specific, like four year time period, mm-hmm. um, uh, where, you know, you know, my group of friends all watched that same type of movie and then i had my uh you know first viewer that they didn't really like but um yeah the, those the, jerks <laughs> those jerks that's why i'm not friends with them anymore. um just for that reason um yeah the the, the thing i was going to say was i wonder if 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 you were i i've always been curious about the helen hunt character in that um this was right about when mad about you was big so i'm wondering if you know it was more she was sort of the star draw to the movie um and maybe you couldn't find someone better for her, mm-hmm. too. Um, but again, I don't know, you know, casting dynamic. Yeah, I, 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 I'm not a big Helen Hunt fan. I think she fits this role, though, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is there any last words on uh, this movie, either one of you? Go see it. I, yeah. I think it's go it's see it in, in theaters. theaters. <laughs> go, hey, go you know see what? It number one Netflix. movie. Number one movie. In theaters this week was Ghostbusters, so it's entirely possible that Twister comes up and becomes the number one movie in the country. So why you know, not check those drive-ins? 
we we live in strange times friends uh but yeah this is definitely worth the watch if you again you're not gonna get blown away no pun intended by the overall movie but it's a lot of fun to watch it's definitely campy enough to where you it doesn't take itself super seriously it's it's worth it i think it's worth a two-hour watch yeah that should have been a completely pun intended by the way (laughs) that's a pretty good one thank you Uh, all right you guys want to plug your ship yeah sure uh at the aquino 122 is my twitter account uh follow me there uh at stranger damies is our real play D twitter account and the instagram account as well we're closing in on we're about halfway to 900 followers so nice yeah come come join our crew man we're uh we're taking off and you could be a part of it you could say i knew those guys before they were big and yeah that that's something to yeah, we, hang your hat on i guess yeah we need our hipster fans hell yeah uh, uh, um, we we need we're kind of like joe's team before we become jonas right we're like man they used to do it for the D D. now they do it for the money which we will 100 percent do sweet D money um <laughs> we, we will 100 percent do that don't even twist it we will always go for the money speaking of D D, um we have our D&D podcast, um, Stranger Damies, airs every Wednesday. Um, we have a new episode up uh, the day before um, you know, this one airs, as usual. Um, it'll be the first episode of a new uh, session. Um, so check it out, strangerdamies.podbean.com. Search for it, Stranger Damies is probably the easiest way. Um, we're Stranger Damies on Instagram and Twitter. Um, and then every other Monday, um, we do uh, the um the game vault podcast um and the there should be a new episode um this monday um coming up if i'm doing my math correctly um i lose track of it until tom tells me we're recording a podcast on friday and then i'm like oh that's this week um so that's uh game vault pod everywhere you know uh, uh twitter instagram um we have the twitch channel twitch.t slash game vault pod um we stream every uh uh, every other Monday and then um, Thursdays and then either Friday or Saturday and Sunday nights. You know, some Wednesdays thrown in there just if we can get everything technically working for multiplayer Wednesday. Um, so just be on the lookout for that. Um, follow the Twitter feed um, at Game Vault Pod for updates on any special streams or secret streams that may occur. Okay. And we are They Called Us a Movie. You could find us at theycalledusamovie.podbean.com. And on all podcast streaming apps, just search for They Called Us a Movie, and we will pop right up. Uh, we are the themaindamie.com. That's our main website. And we are on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at the main Damie. So you just look for the main Damie and we'll pop up on any social media or basically the ones I just mentioned because I'm not on that TikTok. Uh, we are also yeah. a proud member of Geek Fives Nation. Uh, you can find them at gvnation.com and on all social media platforms. Just look for Geek Fives Nation and they'll pop right up. Uh, they got a bunch of great shows. We're just a couple of shows that they, they feature, but Top 10 with Tia and then a whole bunch of other shows that I, once again, three weeks in, I'm still, I still haven't made a list yet, but I will. Scene and Maybe. Nerd. Scene and Nerd. Geek Fives uh, Live. Geek Vibes Live. Look, Dan. Dan's got got the he's got the plug. Um, and yeah, so they got a bunch of great shows. Probably something that you're intri- into. Just check them out uh, on all podcast streaming apps. Just look for Geek Vibes Nation. And that's gonna wrap it up today. Uh, this movie is Twister from 1996, directed by Jan de Bon. 
so for Dan Aquino and Mark Myers, this is Anthony Lavecchio telling Yon the Bon. Uh, well, you certainly made a movie, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs>